We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this Thursday edition Oxford Exxon podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready, Jeffrey Wright joining us for his weekly appearance as well. We'll go through Neil's picks. Talk some college football and other topics here with you as we're a couple days away from Ole Miss and Texas A&M, 11 a.m. Saturday, Vault-Hemingway Stadium. Rebels still one loss, trying to have one loss heading to Athens, Georgia on November 11th. So we'll get into all that today. All podcasts on MPW Digital brought to you by Twisted T. More on them in a bit. And the Oxford Exxon, Highway 6 West in Oxford. It is a Thursday, so if you hadn't made plans, you can still use the Oxford, Ex- Oxford Exxon for some of your tailgating this weekend. The slabs of uh, ribs, the pole port, they do that by the pound or whatever quantities you need. The vegetables, the side items. Tons of options, including the uh, beer cave. Pick up your alcoholic beverages for the weekend. If you stop in on Saturday morning, you can enter to win the uh, pair of game day shoes from Nike or the uh, helmet decals they are giving away as well with a purchase on Saturday morning. So all that going on at the Oxford Exxon. Again, Neil is in the Clark Ford studio. I am Clark Ford. is in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Uh, call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is up to you. You can shop it around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and the top into a Clark Ford today. Again, 662-257-1900. Guests will join on the Campbell Clinic hotline. That includes Jeffrey Wright, who joins us momentarily. The Campbell Clinic is in Oxford now, 2608 South Lamar Boulevard, Suite 102, just across the street. From the cottages at Hooper Hollow, the Campbell Clinic provides full-service orthopedic care. Everything from sports medicine to foot and ankle surgery to spine and total joint care to pediatric orthopedics, physical therapy, and more. To book an appointment, go to CampbellClinicOxford.com or call 901-759-3111. Walk-ins always welcome at the Campbell Clinic Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Jeffrey, a lot of college football coming up, and I'm just kind of curious before we get started. When when are the Memphis Grizzlies going to win a basketball game? Well, if... I think the real question is if they don't win, they have two in Portland this weekend. If they don't win in Portland, oh boy. Um, I mean, 
the real problem they have is they have sent away more good players than they have brought in. Now, part of that is a byproduct of they're starting to have to play or pay their, you know, they they're paying Jaron. Now Jaw's contract kicks in. Next year, Dez's contract will kick in. The real inexcusable thing, in my opinion, was there was a legitimate risk that Steven Adams was not going to play this year, like he is not. And they didn't do anything about it. They didn't get, they didn't have a plan B. And so they just have no front court. They're getting absolutely destroyed on the boards. And John Morant suspended for 25 games. So they're playing without their best player for 25 games. Like, go look at Cleveland. They've, they haven't had Donovan Mitchell for a big stretch. I think they haven't had Allen for a big stretch and they've started out poorly. But I mean, right now, I mean, that it's a, it's a legitimate question of like, you know, is this team, is this team just off to a really bad start? Like the Lakers started zero and five last year, but the Lakers also changed their team at the All Star or whatever the trade deadline. You know, I, I'm still in the camp of I don't think they're as bad as they've looked, but I'm also not ignoring when you look at some of the players that they have on the floor. Like these are not NBA players. Like there are guys like. Seven, eight, nine, ten that they're trying to play like are not even really good G League players. Team that was predicted, obviously, prior to injuries and whatnot, pretty high up in it. I mean, you're not tanking in November, but same time, interesting. So, just curious. I mean, it's it's going to be if they continue this, it is going to be a topic of conversation whether they want it to be or not. Yeah. Uh, also, you mean yeah, a topic of whether they're going to tank? Oh yeah. Oh wow, Neil! They need players, and um, I mean, what what's a better way to get a cheap player than the draft? Oh, it's the only way for markets like Memphis, frankly. And in the West, it's not like it's an easy sledding anyway. So if you start off with no. ten, the shit's over anyway. The West is a beast. The West is it 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 is. There are there are, there are twelve good teams in the West, as Someone opposed to the East, but there might be three. Someone that is trying to make the playoffs is going to miss the play-in in the West. Yeah. Yes, one hundred percent. And right now, I'm, right, right now, it might be, it might be the nine hundred one. How, uh, how much baseball did you watch in the World Series, Jeffrey? I actually watched. I watched all of Game One. I watched Game Two until it kind of like it was obvious to me like the the D backs were going to win it, and I watched all of Games Three through Five. I found it interesting on our board. I know it's the message board. It's college football fans. It's a small sample size. But there was a very large percentage that had watched either none or fewer than three innings of the entire World Series, which I found. I mean, that, that, sounds like, that sounds like the United States of America. Yeah. it's it, all, all the ratings are bad. But I still I still contend that I think I think the changes are good. I just do not believe when I look at the landscape that you can throw all your eggs into the linear TV money is going to be the way of the future, and that is sustainable forever and ever and ever. I'm not saying I think linear TV is dying for sure, but like I do think that that is an option that's on the table. And when you look at how the networks now have been tightening the belt, yep, I just don't think that I don't think that selling out to do whatever they want, which is just get these big markets and 
have the highest TV ratings. It is like, I feel like there's a lot of signs of like, I feel like I'm living in crazy land recently. Rooting for TV ratings to somehow like validate your sports watching is one of the like, in what world should I be on the same page as TV executives? Like, I don't feel like I should ever be on the same side as them. We we have very different views in what we want from sports. couple of interesting things that I saw. One was the San Diego Padres having to take out a loan to pay their payroll in yep. September. That was that was. And like, by the way, by the way, that should be noted because that's what their bally's or whatever diamond yeah. sports, and I mean that's what it, you know, the Grizzlies have it. I mean, this that's like forty something teams in professional sports. Yeah, that was a that, that was an eye opener. Like whoa, I mean you you're going to see them sell off. I mean they, they they have no choice but to move some contracts. And then the other thing was I was reading and I can't remember who wrote it. I'd love to give him credit. It was in the Athletic where he took a stab at what the contract numbers would be for the top, I think, 30 free agents in baseball. Free agency will now start in five days. And the numbers, they were big, but they weren't as big as they've been in the past. And this guy supposedly has a really good track record on these predictions. And if he's right, it's a sign a little bit that some of these teams are, like you said, tightening their belts a little bit and going, hey, this next big TV contract might not be the big TV contract that we've always had. We we might have to kind of start figuring this out a little bit smarter. Well, along the same lines, I'm wondering if part of, I mean, guys, it's November the 2nd, and we've not had a, we've not had a football coach fired for on-field performance yet. We've had the Mel Tucker situation, and we had the Fitzgerald situation. But, I mean, we'd been tracking to where like guys were getting fired in September and Ross had written about it this week. I think he quoted an agent. If I recall correctly, one of the things to watch is whether or not, whether or not schools, like, are we going to start to have the pendulum swing back? Like they'd, they'd given away so many of these coach friendly contracts. That is the pendulum going to start swinging back where, you know, I still keep waiting for the day when a college realizes using the excuse of, well, how's our guy going to recruit if he only has three years left on a deal? Well, I mean, we're in the era of kids staying one year anyway. Like, what's it matter? Like, are are people going to start? I mean, all three of us have, have y'all ever gotten a contract extension? Have y'all ever gotten a contract extension? Even when y'all had great performance, before your contract was up, or do you do you renegotiate your deal at the end of it every single time? Uh, near the end, every single time. I well, Neil, the, the, yo, go ahead, Neil. The last contract, I did actually go in and and I guess I shouldn't put all this out in the public. <laughs> yeah, well, hold on. <laughs> but I, I I did I did kind of go in ahead of an option year and say, I mean, I had a little leverage, and I was like, let's let's reduce some of this. Well. The thing that was always dumb about that four-year yeah, deal I would was, also, hey, I would also argue that that's an option year, and an option year, like you, that's open season. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I not had, year had, two of five. I had yeah. an option to to you know to to cancel. I guess yeah. There was a rollover essentially. Um, the four-year thing has always been dumb when ads have used that because if it's simply about perception, you can extend the years without extending the buyout. There, bud. 
Like, yes. if it's just perception, we can manipulate that contract all you want to to suit your needs. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Like, but I mean, when you say that, Jeffrey, do you mean potentially salaries declining, or do you mean larger buyouts to leave and just more handcuffed into longer deals? I wonder if if schools are going to start sticking with coaches longer again because right. they're on the yeah. for the money anyway. That's what I think. I don't. Like, are we really? I know. I know. Tom Allen is not performed well other than the covid year at indiana and everyone has made the assumption that he is dead man walking are we really sure indiana wants to fork over 20 plus million whatever in his whole i think he's owed 20 million i think his staff is probably going to be owed what another somewhere between five to ten yeah and so and then, really wanna, and they then what exactly and like hey you know, it looks like Woodson's doing a pretty good job with basketball. Like, do you really want to? Do you really want to go spend fifty million dollars on football? Like I said, you you can fire Tom Allen. You can make him the scapegoat. You can send him off the plank. You can pay him off. You can pay off his staff. Tom will handle it first class. Then what? I mean, then what? What do you do next? It's it's. If you're Mississippi State, you can blame this whole damn thing on Zach Garnett and go, hey, he's a bum. We're firing him. Okay, and then what? Who are you hiring? You hire the new guy, and the new guy walks into the same set of problems. Sam Pittman at Arkansas. You can fire him. Sure, fire him. Give him $10 million. He'll say all the right things. He'll take the hit. And then what? Who are you hiring? Who comes in and changes the dynamic of it? Listen, I'm convinced after talking to some Texas A&M people this week, you'll hear it on MPW later today, they're not firing Jimbo Fisher. They realize this is, this is you, you fire Jimbo, great. You, you, everybody makes the Jimbo jokes, cool, ha-ha, funny. You pay him $70 million by the time you pay off the staff. And then you've got to rebuild the thing. He's He does have talent on the roster. Now, if you, if you fire Jimbo, how much of that talent leaves? And then who do you hire? They come in, and then what? Now Texas comes in in year one in the SEC, beats your brains out at, at Kyle Field, and you look like a collection of idiots. It, 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 and, and you're out all this money. And then you got to pay the new guy a lot of money. And you got to pay his buyout at wherever the hell. It, it's, it's always been dumb. But I think now that we're on the precipice, let's face it, I mean, we hear all these economic numbers. We are, as a country, just bordering on a recession. You're asking people to fork out money at a time that they might not have that much capital at on hand. I, I just, I, I think you're onto something. I, and then nobody really knows. And this is the one thing nobody really talks about. I think they would talk about it if we would talk about it with them. I don't think it's because ADs and presidents are being hush hush about it. It's along the lines of the linear TV thing. What if, what if the way that people consume sports changes in such a way that there's not as much revenue to be had down the road. I mean, I, that's the number one question. So like, if you look at, go look at linear TV subscribers. So I'm not talking about people that just like have rabbit ears. Uh, I thought it was interesting that athletic story, the, they did like the survey of college football fans and granted it's a survey. So it's not, it's not a perfect it's not a perfect like data collection because essentially you were soliciting answers from people that read the athletic i would imagine people that read the athletic are more inclined to be cord cutters than not would would y'all agree with that yes than the yeah. general populace 
Yes, I would agree. But it was the numbers that they had, I think, were 37% watch their college football on either cable or direct TV, or cable or satellite. 36% were to YouTube TV. And then, like, when you totaled it up, it was something like 55 to 60% were cord cutters versus, you know, 37% uh, were, were, you know, linear linear subscribers. And then you had some rabbit ears, some, like, illegal streams, whatnot. That's- and then what I'd love to see is the age breakdown. Because I suspect, right, that the, the, the people that still have cable slash direct TV are people my age and older. That's offensive. <laughs> but on the whole, I mean, and then I think, I think that, so your future audience, right? Like my kids, I mean, kids, people, the age of my kids in their twenties, early twenties, they're never going to have that. They're, they've, they've never had it. They've, they've always, it's like what happened with newspapers. You knew newspapers were going to die when you never saw a young person reading a newspaper. So they're going to suddenly start reading the newspaper in their 30s? No, they're never going to do it. So it was, now, it was dead. You knew it was dead. The one counter that I would make is I do think we have seen an oversaturation. So if you've noticed what Netflix was the first streamer to do it, but what Netflix sat there and said was, hey, We've been like, let's be real. We've been wanting people to just watch the content. So we didn't really care whether or not there was password sharing. Somebody was paying us. Well, then all of a sudden Wall Street came in and said, where's the growth? Where's the growth? Where's the growth? And Netflix sat there and was, I give them credit. They were the first ones to sit there and say, hey, we've got this core audience that's always going to be with us through thick and thin. We got to milk them from every for every dollar that they're going to give us. They raise their prices, cut down on password sharing, and all of a sudden Wall Street's like, Woo-hoo! all right, that's the stuff. Well, now we're starting to see the other other streamers doing it. Disney's doing it with the Disney bundle and whatnot. ESPN is about to go direct to consumer. Like they're not going to do it all at once, but they're going to make ESPN available to the consumer and that's like eventually i think where they're headed but they're trying to kind of straddle this fence of how do we still keep getting the advertising dollars that we're getting while going direct to consumer but there is going to come a point where everyone's going to sit there and look at all right what do we actually watch are we watching all this are we watching all that like what do we need and i think eventually it's just going to get back to where a lot of these companies are going to come together and say Hey, what if we just, here's an idea. What if we just packaged our content together and offered it at a, at a reduced rate? It's the same reason why I was screaming in 2012, 2013, cord cutting may be good for you in the beginning. Long-term, it was for the worst. Yeah, because look, when cord cutting got started, Jeffrey, I mean, as you're alluding to, it was, hey, this is a cheaper option to just get the a la carte things that we want to watch. Well, the truth is, look, I'm I'm accustomed to it, but I've got negatives with it. In today's marketplace, had I still had Dish or DirecTV, I would still have Dish or DirecTV. I would have no need whatsoever to move to Hulu TV or YouTube TV or whatever, because sure, I would would subscribe to a couple of streaming services. I'd get Netflix, I'd get Hulu, I'd get Amazon, whatever. But... I'm paying more right now doing all the cord cutting than I was when I just had direct TV and dish even counting 
the streaming services that I would have either way. I'm paying more for just Hulu and some add-ons like that that DirecTV or Dish would have supplied me. So it is not even cost-effective anymore, and I'm 45 seconds behind everybody in, in real time. And the only, as more and more people keep getting away from the linear the linear providers, so cable or satellite, they all they're all they all are publicly traded companies. They're all gonna try to make money too because that's what their stock price matters. They're gonna start jacking up the price of the internet. And it's just gonna keep going up, especially if you're not a subscriber. And so I think the path is they're gonna start offering if you get your cable and your internet with us, it's gonna make more financial sense than to have, you know, cut the cord and have all the streaming services. But the whole point is no one really knows how it's going to go. I don't think though, if you're a league like the sec or you're the big 10, you feel better about your position than the rest of college sports. But at the same time, are y'all convinced that the next TV deal is going to be some 200% increase that we've been seeing? Because no, um, John Oran, I think, wrote about it in his newsletter. The the WWE new TV deal sent shockwaves through the sports industry because they got a 40 percent increase, but they were expecting nearly double their stock price went down big time after they announced the new TV deal. And the NBA still hasn't gotten their new TV deal. Like there's still a lot of people that are ahead in the line and the NBA would love to have a new TV deal. And you know that they don't really have a good TV deal on, on the table because they're using the exact same excuses that the PAC 12 used when they didn't have a TV deal. Hey, we're getting a new bidder coming in. Here's another, here's another, they're leaking stories like every week. Someone else wants the NBA. It's like, eh, eh, I've heard this before. Yeah, at some point, I mean, it, it's not all monopoly money. I mean, you have to have it, and I, I do think we're reaching the top of the bell curve, or we're already there and headed back down either way. Um, jumping to picks last week. Uh, this is where if we were just like the old-timey newspapers picking winners, we'd have been like all living it up. We all go 7-0, and but somehow I turned 7-0 and overall into 2-5 and against the spread. Jeffrey 4-3 and against the spread last week. Neil 5-2 and against the spread. Jeffrey with a, a very comfortable lead at 10 games over 500 for the season at 48 and 38. Neil 43 43. I'm 41 45. Rippy 44 42. And you want to know how stupid picking games 53. is? You know how crazy picking games is? We're all, I mean, Jeffrey watches an inordinate amount of football. And I mean that yes. as a compliment. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I took Caroline, a my daughter Caroline, who competes in against Greg Jones and the Butcher versus the Dance Instructor, which will be out later today, presented by LV's Meat Market. Uh, Caroline would be winning our competition quite handedly right now. She's 18 games over 500. And we, by the way, she went back to watch the show, figure out why Why were we asking her questions about how many coaches she could name. She could name three and a half SEC coaches. A half? Did you get the first, is the first or last name? What'd she get? She knew Jimbo. Okay. Fair enough. That's a, that's a, you can identify. If you say Jimbo, everyone knows your Yeah, that's like Madonna. We'll give her credit for that one. I I think it counts. I'm giving her four there. Okay. So we're giving her four, four coaches. She knew. So yeah, 20, if you. So she knew Saban, Sam, Lane, and Jimbo. That's correct. No, Freeze. Oh. So who'd she not get out of the other one? I guess so she knew five. Okay. She knew Saban, Kiffin, 
Pittman, Freeze, and Jimbo. So five out of 14. And she's okay. 18 games over 500 heading into the weekend. And I, I, I kind of took a page from her book a little bit. I completely didn't put any thought into this and said, I'm just going to go with an initial gut instinct. And what is freaking me out is I essentially just pick favorites. I, I went back through my picks a little bit, and I don't know that I have more than maybe one underdog in this entire thing. I just started picking every favorite to win that maybe there was a better team. So we'll see how that goes, because typically that is not my my bag. I'd much rather take the points in a weird college football season. Um, I will say this, though. if Again, it's early, and this, these could be head fakes, whatnot. The early money is on a lot of underdogs. So yeah. this – and you know how I feel about trendy underdogs. They yeah. all got police. So – We'll jump into it. Texas A&M plus four. Again, I think that's three now, but it opened at four and a half. It was four when we grabbed it on a Sunday at number 11 Ole Miss, 11 a.m. ESPN. Y'all talk for a second. I'll be right back. I, you know, I mean, Neil, I, I I, think the line stinks. I'm just kind of going with at a certain – like everything about the line tells me to take Texas A&M. I suspect that Sharps are going to be on Texas A&M. It's important to note, Sharps don't bet a 1,000. No, they don't. They miss. They miss. They, 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 if they go 60%, they've had a hell of a year and they feel good. I could not get over this fact. Do you realize Jimbo, as a road underdog, has not won a game at AM? I did not know that. I did know that they have lost their last true eight true road games. Um, the last time they won was like at Missouri in 2021. They've they've lost eight straight true road games. Um, here's I my mean, thing. I'll, go ahead. I've just watched Ole Miss play. I, I don't think this is a great football team. I, I don't. It I pisses people off. I, I know that. Uh, I, I, what I do think they are is just a team that wins. I just think they win. I, they they have. I think they have a, a great mentality. I think everything that Lane Kiffin has said about uh, about culture and chemistry and stuff, I don't think it's coach speak. I think he's telling the truth. And I just think this team finds different ways to win games. I think they're resilient. And there's, this is where I, here's what I think is coming. I think at halftime on Saturday, Texas A&M is going to be ahead. Rebel Grove is going to be in meltdown mode. But in the second half, Ole Miss has made really good adjustments and played good second halves. Texas A&M has played horrible second halves. And as long as Ole Miss doesn't do something stupid like punt the ball to an I Smith, like there's no reason to let him return. There's no reason in the world to let him ever return. Just punt the damn thing out of bounds, be done with it. And as long as they don't do something stupid, I think the second half is going to go Ole Miss's way. The crowd's going to get into it. They're going to make a couple of big plays on defense. There's going to be a turnover or something like that. And I think Ole Miss is going to win this thing by about a touchdown. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made of real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. So whether you're tailgating at the stadium, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football 
keep it twisted. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, okay, if I don't think A&M's winning the game and the line is essentially, I mean, I know we have it at four, so it's more than a field goal. If I don't think they're winning the game, I think I'm just going to take Ole Miss to cover. Yep. The only thing that you you mentioned a couple things there, because I I agree with you. Like, I don't think Ole Miss is fraudulent, but I I don't think also that they are like an elite team. No. But what they're I not, do think, what they're I think, not elite. Yeah. I think what their elite skill is, they don't beat themselves. Right. Like, you know, what I mean, like they. All teams, it's football. Teams make mistakes. Like, but more times than not, they let you kind of beat yourself. And that's kind of been their elite skill is they don't panic. They stay remarkably calm, which I kind of think is fascinating. If You know, I one of the biggest differences I've seen in Kiffin this year is, like, he's still kind of high strung on the sidelines. But I do sense more calmness from him this year than I have in other years past. He doesn't feel like he's swinging on every play like he did maybe in the past. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's more than fair. I also think that if you look at this team and I guess we have the benefit of of being around them a lot more than you do. The the thing that strikes me about this team is <clears throat> how mature it is in terms of its core leadership. They, they're sure. older. They're older kids. Um, but when you talk to Jackson Dart, to uh, Jared Ivey, um, J.J. Pegese, Trey Washington, Jordan Watkins, Caden Priestcorn, that kind of group, they're really kind of calm kids. They're not, there's not a lot of trash talk coming out of there. They're just kind of methodical. And, you know, Lane does the pro mindset thing. And I think it's, they're, there's probably going to come a time when it doesn't work with young guys. It just doesn't work, but with this group, it works. And I I actually believe that they truly just sort of approach each week the same way. In some ways, it is an interesting thing. And I told somebody in in college station this yesterday, you, you hear Lane Kiffin and you think Twitter and the the shade and all the stuff. And you think that the whole program is kind of flashy and, um, you know, glittery and stuff. And the truth is this, this team is kind of boring. And, and I mean that in a good way, they just take care of their business and go to the next week. They don't ride the emotional waves. Like the, the, you know, you think back to like the freeze teams, like freezes teams on their best day were wildly impressive. Like on their good days, you're like, Holy cow, these guys can beat anybody, but they would also have like, the flip side of it they would have you know the 30 to nothing in arkansas it's like when things started going against them they would they would go down with it this team has stayed pretty even keel like even in the loss to alabama i didn't sense a ton of panic the most the closest thing i could say to a panic move that they've had all year was jackson's throw when he tried to force the deep ball when they were taking the shot and he threw it into double coverage at alabama like that mm-hmm. did feel to me a little like a panic throw. Like, hey, we gotta we gotta make something happen. But there's just not a lot of moments where you sat there and go, they panicked. And the there other was thing- only there was only one moment so far this season where I thought the season was on the brink. And I will never know, right? You'll never know whether an assumption would have proven right. So there's no way that you could ever Sure. You can't test it. Yeah. 
But it down nine with seven yeah. minutes or whatever left against LSU, I thought I had a feeling the season was on the brink. And I, I firmly believe had that team lost to LSU that night, it was going to fall apart. But to their credit, they didn't. And I thought that win was just, it's the fabric that they've built the rest of the season on. And since then, they've been really good. The other thing that you mentioned kind of got me thinking, and I know it's, it's, they're two different sports, but they're two sports that are now largely entirely transfer portal based. In college basketball, what we've seen has been, and again, whether this is a long term term formula, maybe this is all still COVID aftermath because of kids having eligibility. The teams that have been the most consistent are the teams that got older. And if you look at what they did in the transfer portal this year, they valued they valued older older kind of more mature guys like Neil's talking about rather than just high-end talent. And is that, is that a formula forever? I don't know, but I do think that that matters with this team. It seems like that they, when things start going fast and everything speeds up around them, they don't seem to kind of ride that wave. The areas of concern that I have, number one, you mentioned the punting it to Anaya Smith. I do wonder at a certain point, like they've not been great punting the football this year. And I know that like, that's not something they really want to do, but I do wonder like at a certain point, does that burn them? Like they they've had those low line drives and you're like, Oh, yeah. hell. well, you don't want to do it to him. He's a yeah, weapon like, now. Like, I do wonder, does that burn them? And then the other thing that, and, and again, this is thinking out loud. This feels like the most, Shade Kiffin has thrown other than the Alabama game. The Alabama That's what game I was going to say is, does it look to the players like he's acting like he likes, he, he acts against Alabama, which is totally different. Now, the difference is he's gotten Jimbo twice. Yeah, the Alabama thing was more this reverence than than. I mean, that was the whole week. He's the GOAT. They're the, they're the greatest. I know it was the... the, the the castle's crumbling. It was a weird, frankly, that was just an inexcusably weird week for Lane. This has just been very consistent, measured shade. But it's different, is my point. Yeah, it's yeah, different yeah. than every I, other week. It is. That that is he's the not only he's thing. not pro mindsetting in the media this week. Well, that's true. It's a good point. I, I mean, honestly, like if I if I did not, I'd be curious to know who'd Caroline take. Uh, Ole Miss. Okay, that makes you feel about <laughs> now, all now the, here's all the, here's all here's her things. her logic. Let's be clear, <laughs> her logic is not very scientific. It's I hate Texas A and M, and I think Ole Miss is pretty good, and that's not a lot of points. I'll just yeah, I'll pick Ole Miss. Fair that was basically her. Okay, okay, but that's my point. If I were just like I want to know like what her brain's thinking because she's not. She's not overthinking it like no. I would be, which is no. She's not beholden to the the well, trends. Well, not only that, like that line stinks. Yeah, like no, she whatever. just goes like that's not a lot of points. Whatever, I'll move on. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, like I wish I could do that. I'm sitting there going like, why is that line not bigger? Like I, I Jeffrey is infinitely more comfortable at six and a half than three and a half. Yes. he's like, oh, but what the hell? Um, but the line's not bigger. A- the line's not bigger because. Because you've watched Ole Miss's offensive line over the course of the season, and you see what Texas A&M has on the other side, and you know that matchup-wise, it is a potential problem. 
That's that's yeah. why the line's not I would, bigger. I would also add, I do not think. I know Max Johnson is limited, and he does not have a great feel for the pocket and like an internal clock. They do have really good receivers, big time, and I am not convinced that. Like I think the secondary has played extremely well this year. But am I convinced that like am I convinced that it's a great secondary or am I convinced that more likely they've played some really bad passing attacks since LSU? I was going to say they haven't really been tested. Like Tulane didn't have Pratt. Georgia Tech did they threw the ball okay. Haynes King had a You can game. argue Haynes King is the second best throwing quarterback they've played. Yeah, I mean Milrose, Milro, we'll probably talk about them in a minute. Um, KJ was awful that day, had no time, and was awful when he did have time. Uh, Auburn doesn't have a quarterback. Vanderbilt, I don't even have to say it. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's – and then look, I wonder if Vegas kind of thinks Dart might be hurt a little bit. Or right. I wonder if Dart's hurt a little bit. And so that's – those are reasons the number's kind of where it is. Um, unless you guys have some just crazy reason to talk about it. Connecticut plus 34 at number 19, Tennessee, 11 a.m. SEC Network. Tennessee likes beating up on bad teams, so I have Tennessee beating up on a bad team because that's what happens. Um, Arkansas plus six at Florida, 11 a.m. ESPN2. I told Neil this earlier in the week, and Jeffrey, it looks like you might agree with me. I think Arkansas's record is making them undervalued here because they play a lot of close games and have not completely sucked as far as how the – the game action has played out. No, I mean, like, the the games where they have been underdogs and haven't covered, I think it's really only one. I think it's A&M. And that game, they just made the critical mistakes. Like, they have the pick six on a swing pass. They had, I think they allowed a punt return to a nice. They, they, punt, they punted. They uh, had one of those long punts that was long and low, and, and he outkicked his coverage, and Smith made him pay. And I also just wonder, like, did Georgia beat up Florida? Like, that game was pretty physical. And, and this is, like, the classic. It's like, i not picking Arkansas to win, but, like, I just kind of think that – I think it's the system that's worked pretty well for me. Is Arkansas favored? If the answer is yes, I usually take the other side. Is Arkansas an underdog? Yes. Well, then I usually take Arkansas, and it's kind of worked out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I guess I saw them play twice in person and I just can't pick them to win a game or to cover a line. That was that, that offensive performance in Fayetteville that day was... <laughs> I mean, to your point, we could be in an Oregon situation where, you know, last week I watched the first possession and I was like, yep, I should have trusted my gut. Mm -hmm. And my gut was exactly what Neil laid out last week. But at the same time, I was like, I'm so sick and tired of betting against Utah and losing at Utah. And it was very obvious, like the second possession, like, okay, I know how this game's going. Jacksonville State plus 16 and a half at South Carolina, 11 a.m. ESPNU, Jeffrey. I may be an idiot here because no. what we've seen what we've seen is when FBS teams play the G5 teams it's typically been the G5 kind of gets kind of gets boat raced. I just think it's weird in Columbia and I think I think Jacksonville State knows what they're doing and I think their run game will present some problems. I just think this game's going to be kind of uncomfortable. Like I'll be surprised if Jacksonville State wins outright, but I think this game's like I think this game could be a one score game in the fourth quarter. The money line on this is plus five seventy five, and if you just have ten bucks laying around, what the, the worst fifty seven to one? Yeah, is it? Hmm. Hmm. Wouldn't be the worst. This line is man. Carolina could be checked out. The Rattler probably okay. saves them. I'll tell now, you what this feels like to me, and maybe like the only I took South Carolina, and I really agree with you guys. I just like I said, I just looked at it for two seconds and made a pick. I, I think had I thought about it any longer, Jacksonville State was absolutely the play. It feels a little bit like when Nutt would beat up on Fresno and then try to claim this huge victory in doing so. Like I almost okay. feel like Rattler's going to make some plays at quarterback, and he's the best player on the field. And Beamer wins by twenty and tries to turn that into wow, look at what we did. Well, if I'm you, I'm actually feeling okay because the rest of us have all picked South Carolina kind of in the same fashion. Mm -hmm. So I don't hate your thought process. This would be the this would be the argument for Carolina. Carolina has Jacksonville State, Vandy, Kentucky. If they can get those three, they get to the Clemson game at home. Who knows what Clemson's going to be? They seem to have bad vibes as well. And then maybe you can do the whole we're playing for a bowl game and and the quote unquote save of the season. I just I don't know, man. Like I I just I think Jacksonville State's pretty tough, and 
I think that run game that Rich Rod runs gives problems, and it's not something you pay, you prepare for every week. I, but at the same time, Chase, if, if the scenario that you lay out plays out, like I, I'm not stunned. This is not a game I know that I think I, I'm not jumping to the window to bet this one. Wish we could have uh, grabbed the points as they went on throughout the week because it continues to change. Number 14, Missouri, plus 17 at number one, Georgia, 230 CBS. Last time I checked, this was down to 14 and a half. So we're giving a few more points than we have to. But uh, I like Georgia to cover this game. I one of my one of my best friends is a big time Georgia fan. And we're we're working on a system. And our new working theory is if Georgia's playing a big game, take the dogs. If Georgia's playing someone that they don't really care, if it's a nothing game, you might as well just take the points. He and I disagreed. I think that Georgia's going to kind of get up for this one. He sure. thinks that they're more going to get up for Ole Miss. Um, I think Georgia, because of the way the Missouri game went last year, they're coming back home. Missouri's only got one loss. Like this feels like a game where I think Georgia gets up for it. And one thing Missouri has not really faced this year, while Georgia's front is not wreaking the havoc that they did last year, I do think that secondary covers really well. Like you don't usually see guys like running wide open on them. And I just don't know if I want to sit there and let Brady, pardon the pun, Brady cook, cook. Like I, that that screams like bad day. Yet if you tell me this is another game that we've seen where Georgia's goes to the fourth quarter, it's a one score game or it's tied, like I'm not all that shocked. It's fair. I think Kirby has to move on. Yeah, I think Kirby has developed a real skill at finding anything that can be a slight. And I think the college football playoff people putting them at number two instead of number one is going to uh, Missouri is going to pay for that on Saturday. I mean, he had to be pretty happy, right? Yeah, he was thrilled. See, he they don't thrilled. respect us. We've won two in a row, and they don't respect us. I mean, Dan Mullen, Dan Mullen picks Florida to win, and 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 Kirby just eviscerates him. It's like, dude, people pick games. I mean, give me, but that's just who they are. And that I I think Kirby knows that they're bored. He's finding ways for them not to be bored. And uh, with I think when they're dialed in, they're really, really good. And look, Carson Beck was a little little shaky early in the season. He's been pretty good lately. No, Again, I, I, told Chase, I told Chase this on the postgame show. The more I watch of him, the more I'm impressed with him. And I throw out the caveat, I know playing quarterback at Georgia, you're set up for success. I still think he's playing really well. I do too. I, I think it's one of the flaws in, in media is that we form a narrative early in a season and by God, we're stubborn with it. No, things change. Things are yeah. different. You know, I mean, sometimes teams are really good in September and not so good in November and vice versa. There, there, there is growth or decline. There's it's, it's not always stagnant. Well, they also have a little bit of a Ole Miss situation going on where I know Brock Bowers is hurt and I'm not dismissing that because he's a stud. But they have they've been getting healthier. Like they're getting McConkey back. They got the tackle back. They're getting the other receiver back. Like that was another thing I think that was beneficial to Ole Miss. It sucked for Ole Miss fans I mean, early in the year where you feel like you're you're not quite there because you're not healthy enough. 
But Ole Miss has started to get healthier while everybody else is starting to get banged up, and I think that's been an advantage to them. I think Georgia's got a little bit of that working too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, skip it through a few because I want to get to Alabama with some time left with Jeffrey. Number 10, Oklahoma minus 7 at Oklahoma State, 230 ABC. Jeffrey, Rippey, and myself taking Oklahoma. Neil and Luker taking Oklahoma State to cover in that one. Uh, Auburn plus – I'm sorry, minus 12 and a half at Vanderbilt. Whatever. Just is what it is. Uh, Rippey picked out – Rippey picked Vandy, and if Rippey's right, I'm I'm going to be a big Brian Rippey fan on, on He Saturday. picked Vandy to win outright. All right, so I don't. I think we got a huge special coming, but this I not, doesn't feel like it. I didn't circle I think it's this next week. week. I, I think have, it's next week. I, I have. I've got my highlighter out. I've gotten my <laughs> sharpie. Of sir, I've got it all penciled in. That I have seen Auburn go to Fayetteville and have dreams die, just like Ole Miss fans have seen. I think it's next die. week. I think it's next week. Yeah, think we're a week away. For, I'm just praying for like cold, rainy, miserable. Like I think that's when the hogs rise. Yeah. Washington uh, minus three at number 24 USC, 630 ABC. Uh, Jeffrey, the only one taking SC to win the game and obviously cover at this point. Um, I just think eventually sure. the Pac-12 is – I think it's Pac-12 101. Yeah. What is the I, least I, I, beneficial I thing for them? And I think it, US – neither team can stop one another. And, like, if I get into a game and I've got Caleb with a ball at the end, like, I'm not, I'm not scared. Kentucky minus three at Mississippi State, 630 SEC Network. As Jeffrey points out, Kentucky has not won in Starkville since 2008. They suck on the road against West teams. He is uh, the only one to take the Bulldogs, however, is I just don't believe in them to score any points at all right now, even at home against Kentucky. I don't either. The most terrifying aspect of it is I think Kentucky finally – got their passing game going last week. Like I know Kentucky didn't beat Tennessee, but I thought Leary played pretty damn well. And uh, Kentucky played well. They just lost. Yes. And I think Tennessee, much like the Ole Miss Auburn game where Tennessee did not make the plays to put that game away early. Like I thought the right team won in that game, but I do think Kentucky might've found a little something in the passing game. So that's what scares me. But this is just the classic. I think State can still get to a bowl, and I think that they're going to kind of show up on this one. What's Will the attendance? Enough, What's know. the attendance in Starkville Saturday night? So it holds sixty, right? Yeah, ish. Forty-seven. I'll, I'll say fifty-five. I don't think. Oh, that, oh wow! State State stays pretty consistent, like. And in, in, in all due respect, I'm really not even making a joke here. It's not like a morning deer hunt game. Like it's it's like you're you're it's a night game. Like I, I swear, I'm really being serious though. Like it's a night. Like you you get a it's the prime spot to get the attendance there. State yeah, fans, great fan base. They like to hunt. It's, it's not the opening day of dove season. Okay, it's gonna be all right. They also don't feel like the fan base. that's like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna stay home and watch Alabama and LSU. No, like, no, no. Usually, state fans want to go watch their Bulldogs. Yeah. Speaking of, number 13 LSU plus four and a half at number eight Alabama, 645, the scheduled start time on CBS. And uh, probably a bad sign. Actually, I'm the only one taking Alabama to cover in this game. I don't think that's a bad sign. I don't um, think I mean, all the, every computer, every single computer agrees with you. I'm, I'm just 
going to actually stick with what I have felt for a while, which is I know that LSU's offensive line is not amazing. And I know that that Alabama defensive front is nasty and does horrible, unspeakable things. I still think that if you look at every game, they've scored. And this feels like the first game where Alabama is going to have to go and put up a number. And I just don't think they're, I don't think they're going to be able to keep up. I agree with you. And I'm going to go one further. I think, and I might know something. I might, I might end up being wrong, but I've talked to a couple of people down there. I think they are simplifying what they're doing and letting athletes be athletes. That started in the second half of the Missouri game. And if you go back and look at that half, they looked like a different defense. They really haven't played anybody since. This is going to be a test. But I think they're going to let athletes be athletes. And guys, they got athletes on defense. Now, the the, the secondaries, it's a train wreck. But the front seven's not. And they're just going to let them play. And I'm not sure Alabama, I mean, I know Milrow throws the deep ball and all that stuff, but Bama doesn't have this elite run game. Bama doesn't have an elite intermediate game. I I just, and I'm with you. I kind of agree with Lane here. The LSU offense is, it'll humiliate you. They can do, they can do it in so many ways. And Daniels, Daniels has the highest QBR in the country right now. No, he's been awesome. He's been fantastic. I think he's gonna. I think he's. I think they're gonna get into the thirties, and I think that beats Alabama. I I also, I don't have the ticket, but doesn't this just feel exactly like the Manziel game, where we've not had anyone really kind of take the Heisman yet, and oh. this feels like team with two losses goes into Alabama. He has the big day. And then everyone starts to go like it, he like this just feels to me like that this could be his Manziel Heisman season. That was literally on the tip of my tongue that if you run out LSU's schedule, they and he got hot in this hypothetical. He beats Alabama and Tuscaloosa. He beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, and he overtakes all those Pac-12 quarterbacks. Yeah, because he's going to be like that's the other thing. I mean, Bo that's a is, huge ask, but no, 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 right under but the Bo, like Bo puts up really good numbers. But Bo doesn't really have like a lot. Like last week, I think was the best game I've seen Bo play in a really long time. Like I thought Bo was really good, but it's still not like a ton of like, oh my God, did you see that throw? Daniels has, and we talked about this in the Ole Miss game. He had like five throws where just like, what are you supposed to do? Like he was like, about one inch away from making one of those throws on the yes, last play of the game. Like, I mean, the, <laughs> the touchdown. Close, pass man. The two touchdown passes in the north end zone, I'm sitting there going, like, I don't even, like, I, if I'm coaching, I'm not even, like, mad at my corners. Like, no. that was good coverage. It's like, one of the things I give Lane credit for. He, he immediately, I mean, he, he, he'd said it, and a lot of people kind of got mad about it, but he's like, hey, you, you, got, you can't overreact to this. They're that good, and sometimes you just have to tip your hat, make a couple of adjustments, and stick with the plan, and that's what Ole Miss has done. They didn't overreact to what Jaden Daniels did to them. Because some of those throws were just elite throws. And look, both of those receivers are studs. And the running back's pretty damn good, too. That that That's a good team. That's a really good offense. I, I guess you uh, your game is going to run into it, Jeffrey. I, I guess MUS is going to play late enough. You can't go to midnight yell with Neil on Friday night. Can't make oh, no, it no, no. We got a bye week. 
Oh. Yeah, oh. baby. Nine and one, baby. Number one seed in the West. How about okay. that? Are you, are you going to be in Oxford? Uh, no. We, no. Well, <laughs> it's too bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a hard time finding anybody who will go with me. I don't, and I don't really want to drive all. I mean, so it's 10 o'clock. So my, my fraternity little brother, he was, uh, he coached at Irvine and Irvine one year played A&M in November. And after the game, the A&M staff, like, cause I guess they were friendly. Like y'all want to go to the midnight yell. And they're like, sure. Why not? <laughs> and he was telling me that one of his players came up to him. He goes, man, y'all white people. Y'all really weird. <laughs> I mean, I kind of want to go, and then I kind of know that I will be so mad at myself if I'm awake at 11.30 midnight on Friday night, knowing I have to get up early to cover a game. And I did it so that I could go watch that. At the same time, I do kind of want to go watch that. So I watched, uh, I, I watched some Nazi documentaries last week. I, I that That's like all the prep I need. Like the songs are the same, the marching's the same, <laughs> the brown so, yeah. shirt, all the same. Y'all's one loss is Macaulay. Macaulay, and then uh, we got a big break. Uh, Lipscomb, uh, we're allowed. So the rule apparently in the TWSLA is if you're Baylor Macaulay, you can recruit whoever the hell you want. <laughs> apparently, though, if you're Lipscomb and your quarterback's from Loosedale and he's staying with somebody. Absolutely not. We cannot have that. That hurts the integrity of the game. Yes, Macaulay has seven kids that speak French as their first language, but no, no, no. We cannot have this happen. So Lipscomb is ineligible. That was huge for us because our path is going to be Lipscomb, Baylor, Macaulay, which is like three of the most talented rosters. So now we at least get a little bit of a break. So hold on. The, the Tennessee Athletic Association is uh, is biased toward the Chattanooga schools as you close. It's not necessarily biased towards the Chattanooga schools. It's biased against everyone hates Lipscomb. Okay. Because Lipscomb's like the disruptor, like the the new kid on the block and like they're nouveau rich. It's like how everybody hated UCF when UCF was just like running their mouths. Yeah. Lipscomb's kind of the same thing. They do um, have some really nice facilities at, at Lipscomb for the academy or whatever they call the high school yeah. or the prep school or whatever. I mean, that, their, their football facility was pretty impressive for a high school. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily that they're biased for the. It's like the Nashville people all hate Lipscomb, so okay. it's it's like death to Lipscomb. <laughs> Enjoy the bye week. Appreciate it, bud. All right, guys, be good. See you, Jeffrey Wright, joining us as always there on the Campbell Clinic Hotline. Uh, I had this up, Neil, because we we mentioned it the other day in passing. Uh, I'm reading from this was this is about Harbaugh and the NFL thing. Report from NFL insiders Tom uh, Pelissero or whatever how you pronounce his name. Pelissero. Okay, sure. And Ian Rappaport says, uh, "Quote: The NFL is unlikely to make itself a safe harbor for Harbaugh to escape what be, could be substantial NCAA discipline." League sources say, raising the strong possibility he would need to serve some or all of any possible suspension he could face in college if he returns Ooh. to the pros. There isn't a bylaw governing the matter, but sources pointed to former Ohio State coach Jim Tressel as precedent for how the NFL and its teams could handle a college suspension of Harbaugh, who already served a school-imposed three-game suspension this year for alleged recruiting violations during COVID-19 dead periods and no, not cooperating with investigators. 
could still be further disciplined by the NCAA in that case and now faces allegations against the program for an elaborate sign-stealing operation. Boy, people sure seem to want to get Jim Harbaugh. They really do. They just the guy must have a lot of enemies. I did think yeah. Jim McElwain looked nervous oh. in some of the things that he said. Like seemed tense. Probably a really weird situation, no matter what. He did allow a guy on his sidelines at bare minimum that no one noticed. Or he just got there. Well, yeah, I but mean, either way, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the he was standing by their head of recruitment for the majority of the game, and there are multiple Central Michigan staffers who have been on a Michigan staff with Stallions. Yeah, it's just strange all the way around. I don't really know what to make of it. Um, it is interesting because you mentioned in the beginning, though, coaches urging the Big Ten to basically act on Michigan and punish them. Yeah, without going through the due process. Mm-hmm. Two uh, two nuggets for you after the World Series last night. Again, Rangers winning their first ever World Championship, 5 nothing over the Diamondbacks, winning the series four games to one. They're in Arizona. Arizona had runners on scoring position with multiple opportunities in the first five innings and did not score. Just stranded guys everywhere. It was kind of impressive. I watched through that just because I was fascinated as it kept happening over and over and over and over again. But um, Seager wins World Series MVP for the uh, second time. He has won it in both leagues. Probably has not happened very often in the American League now. And then for the Dodgers um, and their World Championship. And then uh, three straight World Series titles for reliever Will Smith. Braves, Astros, and now Rangers. So three years in a row with a separate team for Will Smith to uh, win a title there. We started with – well, I got this up. I'll come to that in a second, Neil. Uh, where is it at? I had it up a second ago. Here we go. Betting odds, you're wasting your money for the most part if you'd like to bet on the World Series for 2024, considering we don't know about Otani or any free agent. But the uh, Braves and Dodgers are topping the list. The Braves 13-2 to two odds, so like 6.5 to 1. And uh, Dodgers 7-1, um, seven and one, seven, seven to 1 for their odds. Astros 9-1, to one, Rangers 9-1, to one, Phillies 10-1, Rays 15-1, Yankees 15-1, Blue Jays 16, Orioles 16, Padres 16, Mariners 20, Diamondbacks 25, Mets 25, Twins 25, Cubs 30, along with the Red Sox. That's about half the teams. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't even have a clue where to start. Um, I mean, the value that you just the value team that stuck out when you named them just then was Toronto, sixteen to one. Good young team. They're going to spend money this off season. I think you're right. I'll, I don't hate that. Some value there if you're just taking ten bucks in Vegas and having some fun with the ticket. I don't hate the Phillies at 10 to 1. I don't hate the Phillies. I'll, you're going to laugh at me when I say this. There's a ton of pressure on the Cubs to spend money. Mm -hmm. um, and they have the open payroll to do it. I don't hate the Cubs at 30 to 1. I don't think the Cubs are winning the World Series. I'm not saying that. But $10 on a fun ticket, do worse. They say the Dodgers will at least match the Braves and probably go a tick higher if they do land Otani. Obviously. Yeah, but look, Otani next season, I still think Otani's worth the big contract.
but he's not pitching next season. Mm-hmm. He's just a DH. He's a hell of a DH, but he's just a DH. And his value, his superstardom is also being a lights-out pitcher every fifth day. Well, he's not going to do that next season. I saw this, and I guess we opened NBA, we'll close NBA for the most part. What I mean, I, I know there's plenty of history and whatever, but that knowing the cameras were on you, was that not a really strange greeting between Russ and Harden? Did you, watch, did you see this? I did not. Okay, I, I probably should try to find it, but and I, so Harden's walking into the Pete, locker room. Pete and I had some connectivity issues last night, so that show took a little longer to get done, and then I sent it on, and um, I was getting this uh, OEP extra loaded last night and so i was doing that and i had the rangers on in the background but i I didn't i didn't have any volume up on anything so i missed kind of everything last night so it's my assumption that it was the first time harden was coming into the locker room and obviously players are just kind of around and they're showing him around and like the team ops guys clearly going hey do this do this whatever and they've got cameras up because they've got cameras on everything and when harden comes in there's only like two or three players in the locker room. Russ is one of them. And there's somebody sitting a couple seats down from Russ. And it's the, as, as most NBA locker rooms are, it's a big circle. And Russ is all the way, let's say at eh, 3 30, 4 o'clock on that side. And Harden comes in 12, 11, 10 around that way. He comes in, sees him. And again, it's not verbatim, but he basically says, like, acknowledges him kind of really, really lightly. And Russ goes, Hey, just make sure you stay on that side. And that was the first thing he said to him was basically like, hey, make sure you stay over there, stay on that side or something. And it, it looked like it almost kind of caught Harden off off guard. He goes and like walks around, does something, maybe puts something in his locker, I don't know. And then he sort of like forces it. He like sees the camera, turns around, walks toward Russ, and they say like, what's good, what's good, what's good, like two or three times or something like that, and give like the most – tentative not wanting to do this bro tap side hug thing and then walk off it, it it looked as uncomfortable as anything i have ever seen well i'm team russell westbrook here um for two reasons i mean this goes back to 2013 when westbrook took less than the max to keep the group together in oklahoma city and harden wouldn't do it and then in Houston, when Russ got traded to Houston to play with Harden, Harden made Russell the scapegoat. So I don't blame Russell Westbrook for kind of being like, hey, dude, you've burned me twice. I'm not I'm not doing it again. I'll, I'll, I mean, I, I think Russell will be a teammate, but he's not going to go out of his way to be his buddy. Yeah, he was very much not wanting any 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 interest at all. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame him. I mean, Harden is Harden has wrecked several teams. So if you're if you're doing the stock on the Clippers right now, it's shaky. I just don't. I mean, he's he's not a good teammate. He's going to play along with Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Terrence Mann. There's a lot of guys on that team that want the ball that need the ball, and Harden's the ultimate ball stopper. It's all about him. They got strip clubs in LA? Uh to the best of my knowledge, yeah. I yeah, mean, I assume so. Okay. <laughs> he likes strip clubs a lot. To the point that it's impactful. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was one. It was, yeah, it was, I mean, he. I think he'd love to land in Miami, or he'd love for there to be an NBA team in Tampa. I just texted to you. Oh, okay. So we can wait the 20 seconds here for you to watch. You'll need volume. The words kind of matter, but you can just tell body language-wise, too. Again, for everybody else, just hang in for a second. Oh. Oh, yeah, that was awkward. They did not want to talk. I think Russell was being serious when he said, just stay over there. Do you really? I I, I do. I think he did it with a smile on his face, but it was like, hey, stay over there. Is it numerical, or do you think there was a reason why they're on opposite sides of the locker room? I got to think the Clippers know there's bad blood. Again, Russell Westbrook blames James Harden, and for everything I've heard, it's accurate for what happened in Houston. I'm interested now. I typically don't even care, and I'm I'm kind of interested. I can tell you people in Oklahoma City that know the Thunder well will tell you that the whole you shouldn't have traded Harden thing that Bill Simmons and others have perpetuated over the last decade is is ill-informed. Hmm. That they felt like they couldn't keep James Harden. Yeah. Uh, last thing. Bobby Knight passing away yesterday. Kind of heyday as you were growing up, huh? I mean, I guess oh, or late seventies is when oh. he won the, that last undefeated title. Um, but, oh yeah. Um, I mean, I've told you this before. I remember Indiana Isaiah Thomas winning the national title on the day that President Reagan was shot. I mean, I remember that day. I was in the fifth grade. I remember that day vividly. Um, and yeah, Bobby Knight, I've told Carson this, we were talking about this the other day, actually. And people my age will, will remember this in the late seventies, early eighties, college basketball was bigger than the NBA. Mm -hmm. College basketball was big. Um, especially like when ESPN got going. I mean, I was a kid in Ruston, Louisiana, and I was watching Big East basketball. Like, it was it was big time, the way we watch NFL now. I mean, you knew St. John's and Georgetown and um, Villanova and those kinds of teams, and Bobby Knight was a legend. I mean, he was, he was one of the best. I mean, you know, Dick Vitale talking about, you know, the general Robert Montgomery Knight. Uh, you knew all the storyline about Duke and Mike Shashevsky having worked with him, and maybe there was some bad blood. And, um, you know, you knew about, I mean, Knight throwing the chair across the, the, he was so volatile. And yet at the same time, he was a great coach. I remember that Steve Alford team that he had that, um, his teams were just, they were always so good. I mean, college basketball was so big then, and the players stayed multiple years, and so you knew who the teams were. And 
I mean, obviously, I grew up in Ruston when Carl Malone was at Louisiana Tech, and they were so good. And Wayman Tisdale was at Oklahoma, and Danny Manning was at Kansas. And it was just a different era. It was a really, it was probably the glory days of 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 college basketball. And he was one of those faces. I, I'm. We get to talk to Chris Beard today at one o'clock. Chris Beard got his start with Bobby Knight. Really, I mean, I, I I'm interested to hear his his thoughts today on coach Knight's passing, but I'll, I'll also say this, Bobby Knight was maybe the, one of the first big national voices who said, Hey, Michael Jordan's the best basketball player ever mm. before he ever played a moment in the NBA. Mm. He said that he coached him on that Olympic team. And he said that, um, he's the best at, he's the best athlete in his sport, maybe ever. With the possible exceptions, I mean, including him in the same grouping of Jack Nicholas and Babe Ruth. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, you're talking icons, right? I mean, you yeah. think Major League Baseball icon, Babe Ruth is probably number one. You think golf icons. And at that time, Tiger Woods didn't exist yeah, he didn't yet. didn't exist yet. So you can't go well he was wrong it was tiger no at that time it was you thought golf you thought jack nicholas mm-hmm. so he immediately before michael jordan had played a single dribble in the nba he said this guy's the best he we, he was an elite he was an elite coach i mean he 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 was fiery and and, he, and all the stuff happened with the player i can't remember that i choked a player or something yeah, I mean, yeah. you know but there was a there was a scene. Uh, Sage Steele tweeted this out last night. I watched it. It was a tribute to Bobby Knight, where no one said anything. They brought him back to Indiana, and she she wrote. You know, she went to IU, and she wrote that everyone knew that this was not only his return to Assembly Hall, but it was also his farewell. And it turns out that he had some pretty rough dementia, I think, or Alzheimer's at the end, and he's. Walking into that building and, and with he's very frail. You can tell he's not all there, but with each step, it was kind of like the lights were coming on. And Isaiah Thomas was waiting for him at midcourt. And the light of recognition in his eyes totally changed, you know, at that point. And it was it was really a, a neat moment. Um and and as he, you know, they showed just as they just showed him walking away, it was it was pretty powerful. It kind of brought back memories for me from watching as a kid i've never been to iu i've never been to indiana but um been in the state but not in bloomington um i i I just thought it was kind of it was was a passing of an absolute legend yeah we are uh scheduled to have todd abernathy former Ole Miss player and uh, assistant coach on mpw digital today his dad was a a starter for bobby knight on indiana's uh, undefeated team in 1976 i think is the year on that yeah. Um, Tom Abernathy was on a couple teams that went like 32 and 0 and one went 36 and 1 maybe something like that during the course of his uh his playing career so just a little tie in there as we uh as we move through the day Ole Miss Texas A&M Saturday 11 o'clock Vault Hemingway Stadium obviously coverage post game show presented by Dead Soxy and uh more coming to you here on the network today as uh as well as we get you ready for the Aggies and Rebels. So stay locked in social media, the message board, we'll let you know what's all's going on and be with you again soon. Take care, have a good day. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. 
But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.